No, I'm not working with this guy. I've been there, done that. Hey, the minute he gets involved, you can kiss goodbye to any finesse because She-Hulk here only knows how to smash. Yeah, Mr. Arson here only knows how to blow shit up. The fact is. And the fact is. No offense. Oh, no offense. It's just real awesome. That's uh, some bitch in your native town. That'd be wanker in your native town. In your native town. In your native town. Well, no, I was just saying that, like, for me, I thought it was kind of boring until that point. And then you meet, like, the pirate character who I loved and all this stuff. So I thought it was really good after that. But before that, I could totally see why you drop it. Um, It's always disappointing when a franchise you like has a pretty boring entry. Like, this one, Fallout 76, a good example. Do you have any examples that you can think of off the top of your head? Oh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) Tales. (laughs) We were just talking about Tales. Uh, yeah, but it's it's a couple. Tales, um, Star Ocean, The Last Star Ocean, mm-hmm. I, I tried. And that was part of what made me fall off the steria. That's fair. Um, I don't know. Like Harry Potter comes to mind with like Phoenix, Order of the Phoenix, I think is the most boring book in the franchise. Oh, I think um, God of Fire is the most fucking ridiculously long in the, <laughs> God of the Fire is, most book in the world. But it, I do like the ending of Goblet of Fire a lot. I like the story. <laughs> I think that book could have been told in at least 200 pages less than it was. Yeah, I mean, her books are always worse without Quidditch. Um, <laughs> and in terms of movies, Hobbs and Shaw, for me, was incredibly boring, which is the movie that we are discussing on this week's episode of Midweek Matinee, I am your host this week, Chris Figueroa. Brett, how are you doing? I am doing okay, man. I'm a little yeah. tired, if I'm being honest. <laughs> oh, yeah? yeah Did you fall asleep multiple times watching Hobbs and Shaw? tiredness. <laughs> yeah, so this is an interesting thing. I know because of spoiler alerts that you did. Yes, I, I did. didn't. But I was constantly laughing at how stupid I thought <laughs> this movie was. And here's the thing. I actually thought the movie was fun. It kept my attention, but mainly in how stupid I thought it was. Like, and it's like the further they got into the movie, the more stupid I thought it became. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, okay. <laughs> and then every second, something new that I just found ridiculously, <coughs> insanely impossible. And I mean, beyond the standards of what this series has already done, what happened. And my wife and I were just sitting on the couch busting out laughing (laughs) yeah i did have moments like that at the beginning because it's funny with this movie there was a part i think like the first hour where i was like i think this is my favorite i think this is my favorite fast and the furious movie but see it jumps the shark within itself yeah to where it's just like what the fuck is going on yeah i don't really understand what this movie was about um So I have a question for you because I actually think that it's interesting because I think the part that my, my favorite part was also the beginning uh, first hour, maybe hour and a half. I'll give it, but um, I also thought this is good. I wasn't saying it was my favorite, but I think I've realized last night when I was laying in bed, right before I went to sleep, it was just like the the movie was still on my mind because I was trying to figure out how they missed so hard for me. (laughs) Yeah. And in in a way where, again, I was an, I was entertained but it wasn't the type of funny kind of over the top aspects of like fast five or fast eight, which I really liked both of those. 
it was far more in the realm of like, this is just ridiculous. And they're going this far overboard in a side movie. Like, right. they, they, why do you have to keep raising the stakes that high in a side movie? If anything, this kind of character should have been saved elsewhere. But I think for me, what I've actually realized is that some of the best parts of Fast 8 yeah. were the beginning when you get to see Shaw and Hobbs kind of BS fighting each other. I love those parts. I think that they actually finally made Shaw, uh, Shaw a likable character because mm-hmm. uh, he wasn't in 7 in my opinion. Nope. And we, But that's so short-lived. But then their arc becomes full as you kind of see them go from the two people who hate each other and talk smack to each other to building like this quiet respect for each other. And then I think the biggest thing that this movie does wrong is I think it completely restarts that. I think that this movie feels like it reround the clock on these two characters. And I'm watching the same arc from Freight of the Furious where they hate each other and then they grow to respect each other. But I'm just watching it in another movie when in my mind, they already liked each other. So while it was fun for a little bit, by the time it was over, I'm like, I've seen this. I've experienced this. Yeah, that was the thing for me is I the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, we watched out of order. I thought so too. And we didn't, we didn't. It's after it, this movie comes after eight, but, yeah, I, but it I feels like, cause there's a little thing that he says, Oh, they worked. A, he said, uh, it, first <clears> of all, <throat> they brought up Mr. Nobody. And then he says that they did a job together in New York. Whenever mm-hmm. the CIA guy's calling and saying, my guy's in, is your guy in? And it's like, well, do you think that they're going to be mad? Oh yeah, absolutely. But they worked that job together in New York. And yeah. I was like, so this is after fast eight. Yeah. It, it was really hard. It was really weird to watch that way. I didn't believe it at all. No, neither did I. And I think that might have been my problem with the whole movie. Even though I enjoyed the the kind of lighthearted funniness of the beginning and kind of getting to see Hobbs be maximum Hobbs and Shaw be maximum Shaw. Yeah. But I think that that starts to wear thin. And like I said, you're watching the same character arc that you've already witnessed and it feels wrong. And now it, this one feels unearned because it literally feels like a copy paste of something else with a new story. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't have too much to say. I thought this movie was really boring. Um, I liked it for a while, but like I said, I fell asleep multiple times to the point where like, we started to record this episode. And I said to you, I was like, listen, I don't even know if I can host it because <laughs> I barely know what happened in this movie. Um, so luckily, I can remedied, you tell me the but, first time that you know you fell asleep? Um, the plane the plane so when they're flying yeah when okay yes when they're flying to russia yeah it was the thing was it was almost rat it was almost rapid fire in a way because i watched like the first hour and then i fell asleep there and i as one of those like sleeps where you didn't mean to fall asleep so you woke up and you're like disoriented and you feel worse (laughs) and it was that so i went and i got up and i went for a walk and then i came back and then i fell asleep when they went into samoa Uh um and then I fell asleep during the Mick Jagger. And I think that was it. So maybe not four times, maybe three times. So I've had to rewind this movie multiple times. So I've actually seen this movie a bunch of times in the little boxes on Amazon when it goes across my screen. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but only one full time on the big, big screen. So it's <clears throat> interesting because I also think that this movie tried doing this thing and i think this is part of what made it it's part of what made it more funny to me Mm -hmm. because not only are you seeing this movie like i say bring in what i think was arguably way too big of a world shattering event 
to not have the rest of the crew. I think that's the first thing. From everything that we've seen about Hobbs, the moment that something like this comes up, he immediately calls Dom. Right. And that's the movies have shown us that when something big happens, he knows who he's going to call and who he's going to trust. And I feel like even though eight clearly meant to give you a moment of where maybe he felt that was different by the time the movie resolved, there was a clear trust between them and he understood why everything happened and that it was doll. It was Dom's master plan to bring everything back together. Um, So if anything, I think it would have strengthened that trust more. It's like he did what he had to do because he knew he was trying to save everybody. Um, And the, weirdest part about that is they don't even mention them i don't think i don't think dom and the crew are even mentioned once you would think that one of deckard or luke would have been like hey should we call those driving guys especially when there's an entire car chase where they could have used the driving guys you know it didn't make sense that they weren't even like hey could we call them and then they pull the same thing they did in eight with brian where it's like no we can't you know dom's just meeting his kid we gotta let him Yeah, but at least it would have felt like it was more in the world instead it just felt like it was trying to be a movie that for all intents and purposes was basically taking these characters completely out of their actual universe and moving them into a new one right now there's little things that my brain was like that would be really interesting and this would be really interesting that can tie them all back together. Um, But across the board, I feel like this movie misses the mark by trying too hard to be its own standalone thing. I feel like that ends up making it feel more removed from the, uh, from the universe and from the lore and from everything that's going on. And I have a hard time picturing (laughs) from watching this movie, it coming back, everything that happened in this movie coming back into the other thing. It just feels wrong. Every time that we see something going on, the crew's supposed to be there. Um, but this brings me to a question I think about, about the movies as a whole, because when I'm talking about escalating, one of the things I thought that Tokyo drift did so well, which yeah. of course it came so before the series decided to make this shift. But since Tokyo drift is not these world shattering events, right? Mm-hmm. Like one, two, three, and even four are not world shattering. Five is not even world shattering. It's just like an entire community. It's like, well, if you do this, all of Rio de Janeiro is going to be, you know, in, in shambles. And then it starts to pick up from there. Now it's always about the world saving the world. And I don't get why this standalone movie couldn't have dropped down and make it something where it's still fun, still entertaining while letting these characters work because where Tokyo Drift works and feels like, okay, we didn't talk about, like Han didn't talk about his crew, which clearly is because none of the things he went on to do was written yet, but it felt right even in retrospect because the movie's about very different things. Han has no reason to be talking about his old crew in that same way. And in this movie, when there's a pressing matter like this, it's about the world and you know the team that can help. It feels so weird not to bring them in. So I guess for me, every time that there's a side movie, are they going to try and bring it to this level to where, oh, well, the last Fast movie did this. So we've got to make sure we top that because otherwise people don't want to watch this movie. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yes. And yeah, because I think they've been doing that since the beginning. But the thing for me is like, why did they go the super villain route with at least in terms of the virus when they could have just been like Shaw's sister got kidnapped by Etienne. They're trying to turn her and then you still bring in Hobbs by being like, listen, the CIA MI, instead of the CIA, it's the MI6 who are like, our operative has been taken and you're the best, you know, and then Shaw hears about it and they end up joining each other 
to try and save her or whatever it is. It makes more sense that way instead of a villain, so, a super villain wants a pirate. Basically a more, a more organic yeah. cop movie. Because what goes on here is it feels forced. It's the two of them and pushing them together and constantly having them meet up and be called and asked to do it. Whereas I think I'd agree with you is if they go to someone who's clearly and like, you know, should be involved and be like, Hobbs, you're the best at tracking people. We're bringing you in. Who do you want to bring in? Let him do whatever he wants to do. And then have it where because this is Deckard's sister, which we don't have to know, which it was clearly obvious, by the way. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know, we don't have to know that. And then actually have it to where the way Shaw comes in is that he ends up hearing about it and he's working the case on his own when he discovers that Hobbs is in. And there comes a moment where he can't lurk in the shadows anymore, pulling back kind of from seven where he's able to perfectly blend in. Yep. And he has to go in and help save Shaw or help save his sister. And that's how they come into play. There's yeah. a lot of ways you could organically do this and also lower the stakes a little bit to where it makes more sense in this more confined two people. I guess you could say a, a team of three if you consider his sister part of it as well. But the movie feels like too much, but that's also <clears throat> what made it fun for me. Like I was yeah. constantly having a good time watching it, but in the same sense that you have a good time watching Twilight. Yeah, absolutely. Because the thing is... I just don't understand how a movie with so much action, so many actors I like just put me to sleep. I don't get it because I really liked, like I loved lock and Loeb. Those are some of my favorite characters in the series. Cause Rob Delaney is hilarious. And Ryan Reynolds is himself like Brixton was awesome. Like I love Idris Elba, Mm -hmm. but it was so boring. (laughs) Yeah, and I even liked Kevin Hart's Dinkley. I thought it was a smart use of his thing. Or or I should say, like, I like the idea. And as much as it still ended up kind of being a point for me to laugh and call back to and all that, it did feel like definitely the scene of that. I'm like, why is this going on so long? Why is this movie two hours and 20 minutes? Is it just because all of the other fast movies have all been incredibly successful at that two hour and 20 minute range? Like, is that the only reason this movie's made so long? Because this movie has, has so many ups and downs and ups and downs. Yeah, there's and so I don't much. I feel like any of the other movies have done that. Yeah, there's so it much family feels stuff. like they're going, yeah. In a franchise about family, this movie has the most family stuff. And it's so unnecessary. <laughs> yeah. I think my biggest, like, I don't even know from what I want to call it, but I think my somewhat complaint here is that I like the idea of spinoff movies for like singular characters or a handful of characters to learn more about them and their background. And I even think there was a way to do all this Samoa stuff to where it didn't feel like just far too much. It felt like egregiously gratuitous. I know that's ridiculous words, but that's how it (laughs) felt. Like I was like, what, am I watching this movie should have already ended. How are we going into yet another thing? Um, And it was clear they were going to go there, but I like that idea because I like the, the the bringing a character in and learning about their background and meeting more of their characters. But I think there's two things that this thing ends up that this series has an issue with right now. Everybody has hidden siblings that we don't ever know about (laughs) until suddenly they need a new character. True. It gets annoying. It's to the point where I'm it's nothing's surprising or anything. And they're doing it in fast nine. Oh, it's yeah. Dom's hidden brother that nobody knew about. <laughs> and it's just, yeah. it's getting ridiculous. They keep falling back on that same thing of how do we make an interesting new character that we can give a reason to fit in here. And it's funny because they do it 
with Brixton. But they, yes. in my opinion, they miss with Hattie because it's all about another sibling. And then they <clears> technically <throat> miss at the same time with uh, Jonah or whatever um, Hobbs' brother's name is. Because, again, it's all about these hidden siblings and all these different things. And I get you can use that for different story reasons, but it's becoming too predictable. And I think the series expectation of every movie's action having to go bigger and better than last time. I think that those are two things that are holding back uh, the potential for side movies to be more interesting and more about character development and letting you come in. But that's just me, I guess. I guess I agree with you in terms of Dom, but I disagree in terms of Shaw and, De- and uh, Hobbs because Hobbs and Shaw, they're both. They're not main characters who we see everything of. So not knowing that Deckard also has a sister who disowned him or Hobbes also has a brother who disowned him. Um, you know, I don't think that's as egregious as Dom, the family man, has a brother he just abandoned and no one ever found out about. You know, I think that's kind of a little worse, but I don't necessarily think the... Uh, Hobbs and Shaw family stuff is bad outside of the fact that it is a lazy trope in this movie, in these movies. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's becoming a trope. And I'll say, I think that even outside of the fact that by the time the Samoa stuff was there, I just, I felt like it's weird because I don't want to sound wrong, but it feels shoehorned in because it feels like the movie is being artificially lengthened. And when it's being artificially lengthened by this, it's easy for someone to hear me saying, Oh, this is being shoehorned in. But it's easy on the outside looking in to feel like, did they only make this movie longer so that The Rock could have Samoan people in his movie? And that's <laughs> fine. But yeah. it, it's it's because it didn't feel like the movie needed anything else. I think the way to pull that in is to cut all this Russia BS and have it be, or, or not even cut it, move it up and keep the action rolling where it doesn't feel like these constant hills and valleys. Um, yeah, my, and, my, and make my, this movie a much more tight hour 40 i feel like this movie was at least 40 minutes too long yeah my bigger problem was all the like really annoying scenes with his daughter you know like the ones that go on far too long i guess there were only a couple i'm not i'm thinking about well, it well it's like dinkley dinkley scene goes on <clears throat> far, far too, long. too long i like kevin yeah. hart but it didn't need to go that long see i i the dinkley stuff like kevin hart showed up and i was immediately just looked at it and went, why it's like that took oh, me out of the movie because it was literally only there because kevin hart and the rock are friends i was like i don't need this dinkley only does one thing in the movie that's important or even funny to me <laughs> No, trust me. I'm, I understand, and I'm with you. And I, like I said, I like Kevin Hart, and I didn't even mind that he was in it, but it was too much, and then it was, again, too easy. There's a lot of outside references in this movie, like his daughter referencing the smelling with the rock is cooking eyebrow. And don't wrong, <laughs> I laughed about it. But it's all these scenes that go on really long and feel like this is why this movie's 40 minutes over time because y'all are trying to pull in on all these different referential things. And I love referential things, but I like self-referential things for me. So <clears> someone <throat> else might've really loved those as like a really touchstone moment for the movie and been like, this makes me like this movie more. Yeah. It made me laugh, but it made me feel like you're wasting my time in confines to this movie. Mm-hmm. So, so what did you think of new character Brixton, the black Superman I like Brixton, and I think that he's sadly wasted. Yeah, that's my, I would that's agree my with biggest that. feeling towards him. Is I don't, I I feel like they wasted that character completely. Uh, what would you like to see from him? 
It's uh, it's a little hard to say because I do like, like I said, when you look at how to write in a new character and how to make them play with other people, I like the way they explain the backstory of how Brixton becomes who he is, how he gets in bed with Etienne, and what drives him and his motivation. Like some of it's cliche, like him clearly rubbing that bullet. It was obvious that that's the bullet that was put in his head, which is not a bad thing. I mean, it's fine. And I like seeing all that, but I feel like the way they chose to use it Again, I feel like Brixton shouldn't have been as much of a pushover as he ended up being. Yeah. And I, I think it would have been a lot more interesting to have seen Brixton be the evolution of what we saw in eight from Cypher and keep going on. Though speaking on Cypher, I'm very curious who the director of Etienne is. Yeah. I wanted to. We hear this history with Hobbes and clearly a history with Shaw. I think it's Locke. Really? Yeah. Because they they had those little, um, like, kind of cracks in the encryption. I guess encryption might not be the right word, but the voice uh, masking software. And to me, it sounded like Locke's cadence. Interesting. And I think the ending shows Locke is significantly more capable First off, did you watch the post credit scenes? Well, it wasn't post credit; it was actually pre credit. Well, that was the most interesting part for me. There is also a post credits, but it's not the one I was talking about. Um, yes, that one to me it like showed him as being significantly more capable than the, I guess, than Hobbs would lead you to believe. At least Hobbs' reaction to Locke. And then those, like I said, it sounded like him and those little cracks in the uh, masking software. So that was my theory. I definitely agree with the idea of the movie showing him as someone who's very incapable. And then the end kind of showing a little little more capable than you would have thought based off of what we gave you. Yeah. I don't necessarily know that I feel in there. I I am trying to keep it from feeling too obvious. You know, I, I don't, in my mind, I think Cypher makes sense just because of the technological side of everything. Um, I don't really feel like an existing person would make sense in this uh, from a tech standpoint. I'm not saying they couldn't. They could be like, oh, this is Carter Verone, and apparently Verone and Hobbs had a smack together at some point in time. I don't think they should do that. That was um, my first thought, actually. Uh, this was Verone. It was, was my like, first no. thought as well, actually. And I thought, no, <laughs> please, that, that's a little too crazy. So part of my- feels the most realistic. And then outside of that, it feels like I don't know because of everything and the connections and knowing who's who and that Deckard would have tried killing Brixton and been able to save him. It feels like it's someone who's going to be involved in MI six and it's going to be kind of like, I I mean, I'm not going to say that they're actively in MI six. They might be, but I don't know. I'm curious to see where it goes. You think it's Shaw's other brother? That's kind of the problem. It absolutely could be. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess part of my lock thing is I find Ryan Reynolds a bit too conspicuous of an actor to just be some guy, you know, like Rob Delaney. You can kind of get away with that as like a bit part like, oh, that's Rob Delaney. Haha, ha, that's cool. But he doesn't matter. Whereas like Ryan Reynolds is only playing a guy in your movie for five minutes or is Ryan Reynolds being set up as a character in your movie? You yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, fair. I don't, that's, I don't know. That's going to be an interesting thing. Um, 
But you know, let's let's pull back and talk about the beginning of the movie because there's some interesting things about the beginning of the movie. First of all, I think it's both of the parts that we enjoyed most about the movie. Sure. So if you had to try and put a finger on what it was that made you enjoy that part of the movie much more, what do you think it was? Do you think it was like the pacing and the way they kept it, like kind of kept you in? Or was it specifically getting to see Hobbs and Shaw doing their thing and being themselves? Yeah, just like, like Hobbs and Shaw as so, like watching I them. guess that's, that, that's the thing that gets me, though, is like if you like Hobbs and Shaw, and I'm not questioning you. That's why I'm just kind of curious if you if it's still something you could put a finger on. Then technically, if it's just that you like Hobbs and Shaw, then you should just like them throughout the whole movie. Yeah, yeah. Except the jokes and the action and everything was the same at the beginning that it was at the end. The whole movie is the same multiple times. Yeah, it's about the power of teamwork, buddy. Yeah, except it's not <laughs> yeah, fun to watch when it happens three times. They have yeah. three fights where they fail for the same way, where they do the mm-hmm. same thing, where they have the same argument until the end when they finally get together. It's not fun to watch. At the beginning, it was like, okay, Hobbs is funny. Ha ha, they're going to fight. Ha ha, some bitch. Ha ha. And then it got to the end and they made the same some bitch joke. And I was like, okay, I, I, this is fuck. This is stupid. And I fell asleep. <laughs> <clears throat> See, I think I agree with you. Um, I mean, I definitely agree with you. And it's funny because I was going to bring that up. So I'm glad you did because I've been playing Biomutant. And one of my biggest complaints about Biomutant, even though I love it, is that the game follows the rule of threes too hard. And it doesn't even really try and mask it. Like, you know, a lot of games follow it, but they'll try and mask it to where you're not immediately recognizing that that's what they're doing and i feel like this movie is following the rule of threes i mean it's common people like to do things in sets of threes but you expect it as a viewer and it gets to a point where it gets really boring because you're leaning on the same thing too often but on the third time you'll end up succeeding and that's kind of what ends up happening here right we have this argument blah 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 we have the argument blah blah blah. then the third time we have the argument oh but then hattie comes in with the mick jagger so the argument's going to end up swinging to where they're successful regardless but then we're going to go back that's part of what makes it weird and there's a lot of that where it's just the movie taking a section, doing it from start to finish, and then stopping. And it feels like it almost should be an ending, except for the fact that there's no resolution. Then it picks yeah. up again, and then mm-hmm. you see that. And it starts, and it has a climax, and then it doesn't have a resolution again. And it falls back down to basically nothing before yeah. it finally picks up the third time. Has well, you know has its climax and then has its resolution, but by yeah. that time the resolution feels like you you could have done that at least the previous time. Yeah, and the weird thing is there's there's a whole trilogy that plays out in this movie, you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would have almost rather had seen the trilogy than this one movie. Yeah, because- have it where they don't end with killing Brixton. Instead, they just kind of take some kind of blow to him and Etienne, and then the next movie we get to see them tracking him down in Russia. Yeah, because why wasn't this movie like an hour and a half or an an hour and 40 and there's more Brixton backstory, there's more um, Hattie backstory, there's more Shaw, there's more Shaw's mother, but it's all contained and then this movie ends with the rooftop or the the, the running down the building kind of thing, which is the most ridiculous shit that happens in this movie, by the way, the rock free falling for an hour and getting no damage whatsoever. Not even close. <laughs> Don't be wrong. Ridiculous, one hundred percent. 
But you want to talk about ridiculous. If we're going to go there, I'll give you – go ahead. What, what what do you think is uh, – I mean, if you had to say, because there's one in particular that <laughs> I could not stop laughing. I'm imagining you're talking about the helicopter chain, but I don't well, know. It's, this, that ent- it's that entire scene. Yeah, the, the cars or whatever. Yeah, that was Dude, insane. I'm telling you, I was laughing so hard when it's just – I, I think what did I put it in here? Cause I know I had it in my notes cause I was just cracking up and I had to say something. I said, my notes are quick. It's the sheer ridiculousness of hooking the cars up and how perfect it goes. It's too over the top and just silly. Then the, the part that made me laugh the most <clears throat> is that they go through all of this painstaking, like somehow perfectly connecting all of these cars and then boosting. And then somehow that pull it's fine. And then right whenever the thing gets its weapons back online and starts shooting, even though they're all connected, they suddenly disconnect right when it's c- convenient for them and they're not connected at all. Yeah. It, and then you follow with the rock holding this fucking chain and pulling a helicopter with his own hands back to this spool so they can start <laughs> going, which does lead me to an interesting thing in this movie. Okay. I don't mean to derail, but it's important. Well, let me just say, like, let, you, let me say and let you go on. I think that th- your point is more in line with Fast and the Furious, where the building scene doesn't make sense even in this franchise. Please continue. <laughs> the rock know, man. free falls through midair, and then at the end, he falls at least four stories. It doesn't make sense in any sense unless they are superheroes. And lands on a car. I yeah, agree with you because the weird, I'll say this. The weird thing about that is that we saw him in fast seven, literally fall four <clears> stories <throat> and land on a car, which is exactly what he did in this movie. And it broke his arm and put him in the yeah, hospital. Exactly. And this one, he just hops back up. Anyway, please continue on your derailment. Okay. So the derailment is interesting because we said it a few times and we said it jokingly, but then also seriously. But I feel like everything about this movie shows that there is 100% a way to do transformers in this movie, in this series. First of all, the transforming motorcycles. And that was sick. It was sick, but I was also like, this is over the top and crazy, but in a way that I absolutely believe that Transformers could pop in here now. That's first yeah. thing. But the second thing, and the more important one, is during the crazy car scene, whenever he grabs the chain and pulls it back to the spool and then does something, I'm telling you, I even rewinded it to double check. This is not like the hia moment that I thought I heard Brian say. I think my, my imagination wished he would have said it, yeah. so I just projected it. But my wife heard it too. Whenever he puts the chain back on, I swear to you, the little Transformers dur, 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 sound happened 100%. No way. And so I rewinded it and did it again. And I said, am I crazy? And she goes, no, I, I heard it. I, I, I hear it. And I don't know, man. We said both of these are universal. There's no reason that they can't do this. Oh, I'm pretty sure they're both universal, aren't they? I believe so. I'm not 100% sure. Let me double check. I got to know might be paramount who the hell knows but i mean <laughs> i just feel like there's zero reason not to do this that's what i'm saying i mean i'm i'm, I'm watching the scene i didn't hear that but i am fascinated i'll go because i mean I, I bought the 4k blu-ray so that i have them all um i'm curious but it would be interesting if they just said that you know these movies were just 
like Etienne was just a uh, corporation who worked with the Transformers. Yeah, like the, and that's the, how the some of this stuff. Yeah, it's how they were so ahead of the rest of everything. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'm just saying. All right, so it's Paramount, and I want to say. Doo-doo. It's universal, so I guess they're not. I think we have gone through this before. Yeah, I think you might be right. It's disappointing. It you is know the because... one of the wild things about this chase is none of them are wearing like actual shoes. They're all wearing flip flops and shit and doing this <laughs> insane car stuff. <laughs> I don't know, man. It was across the board, it was just crazy. And I'm telling you, I'm gonna send you that that transformer sound because it blew my mind. And I don't know if it was just an accidental thing that happened to sound close enough to it, but I I'm, it blew my mind. I was so excited because I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> this is the coolest thing. Also, while we're talking about the ridiculousness of this movie, <clears throat> why does every single thing that gets hit explode? <laughs> Except the helicopter at the end. Yeah. The one thing that would have a reason to, to or explode. that you would at least visually think, okay, it's going to explode, doesn't explode. But a car goes into one of those Samoan farm buildings and it fucking blasts <laughs> up like you just witnessed like a Vietnam airstrike. Yeah. And then whenever the claw that they set back on the cliffside hits that car, it explodes on contact. <laughs> and it just blew my yeah. mind. It was one of those like, oh, this didn't blow up because it has a character in it. Her- heard. Got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just felt really weird. And um, I- I'm curious because, you know, we often talk about the kind of uh, bottom of the barrel of of modern CGI being uh, the majority of the CGI scenes for Black Panther. Yeah. Uh, and while it is definitely not as bad as Black Panther, the CGI in this movie is really shoddy. And there were a lot of moments where it just, I was in uncanny Valley super badly. There was one during like a car chase I noticed, but I didn't notice many of them personally. Really? See, yeah. this is interesting because a lot of the movies, I feel like so far their use of green screen sets, which clearly is what's going on uh, just from a practicality standpoint of how much easier it is to pretend you're in Antarctica. If you just put everything on a green screen yeah. uh, and CGI it out. Um, like whenever they have the cars pulling up to the nuclear plant in, in Russia, that looked super CG. Like everything about it looked fake. Like it was being projected. Uh, there was a, that. There was a scene whenever, uh, actually towards the end, whenever Idris Elba, um, Brixton, uh, ends up falling. Like his body, like does this weird, like almost morph thing as it yeah. falls in the sea. It's clearly a CGI model. I mean, there's some pretty rough moments. Um, there was uh, the entire fight scene between Brixton and um, Hobbs and Shaw, where they're doing the punches and it's going slow mo. That's all very smooth, and I mean, like to where your eye for me at least picked up on the fact that these are clearly CGI models that they're freezing and hitting so they can have the jaw be super displaced and zoomed in on. And I don't know, it it took me out of the movie and I've, I've complained about CGI a few times throughout this this franchise, but I feel like this one, it was very in your face often because a lot of the CGI that was bad was like the focus of the frame. 
Yeah, I can see that. There is one piece of CGI in this movie that I really did like. Do you want to guess which one that is? Mm. Well, to break the suspense, it was the homage to the classic Fast and the Furious movies when he hits the boost and it goes into the engine and you see all the stuff. It's like, Uh, oh, I like that one. Yay. It's Fast and the Furious. (laughs) Yeah, I like that one too because I also feel like you don't hit Uncanny Valley as easy because most people don't know what the inside of an engine looks like anyway. My brain's just kind of like, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Um, Have you heard the theories about Uncanny Valley? Like oh, as, about evolution? Yeah, we're like we have that because something hunted us that looked just like us. Yeah, I think it's yeah. an interesting theory. I don't actually know if there's anything to it, but I mean, if well, think about it this way: like, if you want to say what it would be, one of the other humanoids makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah think like, about any time you see like a crow magnum skull. Yeah. or you know like, like a, a uh, gigantus or whatever yeah like all the different ones i mean there's plenty mm-hmm. of different uh you know precursors to homo sapiens that lived at the same time as us yeah if you believe science and i think that that's probably the most realistic thing is that you see people that look similar to you yeah but your brain has known like when they look similar but not quite like you be suspicious be wary yeah um I don't know. For me, I think it comes from the fact that this movie is so close to a Fast and the Furious movie, but it is a pale comparison. I think that's where the Uncanny Valley comes from. So, the how whole do you, movie is Uncanny Valley? The whole movie is Uncanny Valley, yeah. So how do you feel about that? How do you feel about this being a Fast and the Furious movie outside of the fact that we needed Luke and Hobbs for this to be... Sorry, we need Luke and Shaw for this to be a Fast... You know what so, I'm trying to say. I'm stumbling, but... Are you ready for my hot take? Yes. I, I think you'll agree is the weird part, but I know so many people don't specifically Blake. Okay. I think that by all accounts, Tokyo drift is a better and more consistent fast and furious movie than Hobbs and Shaw is. Well, yeah, but on this podcast, Tokyo drift is an incredible movie. So yeah. I, <laughs> I so agree. It's a hot take not within the context <clears throat> of our whole series of podcasts, but I think to the general viewership of the fast franchise i think that i probably just like you know committed like treason and all sorts of different things i don't know man the more we watch these movies the more saying tokyo drift is the worst is insane like oh constant four six and hobbs and shaw are are the three worst movies in this franchise by a long (laughs) shot like tokyo drift doesn't even come close yeah dude Tokyo Drift is a solid, amazing movie. Like I shouldn't say that. That sounds like almost contradictory. It's an I love it. I think it's an amazing movie. Yeah. And I think that regardless of how I think it, it's solid and how it fits into the the franchise as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, dude, I'm so so stoked at the prospect of all of the Tokyo Drift crew coming back. Oh in yeah, the franchise. Like in, in in the future installments, I, I don't I can't remember if I saw that it happened in nine or if it's happening in ten. But you don't even got to answer the question. I'm just oh, I'm excited. It doesn't matter. I mean, <laughs> I thought it was in nine, but I, I'm so excited, dude. I love them. Yeah. I mean, I thought the Fast Seven um, or the Fast yeah Fast Seven scene where we see um, because of the fact they chose to have it be that Deckard is the one who kills um, Han. <laughs> that they decided to have Vin Diesel go back and try and act like this actor who played Sean has clearly not aged, not aged at all. Like neither <laughs> but, of them have aged. Yeah, but it clearly, I mean, that's one of those things where it works for Vin Diesel because he's been an adult this entire thing. Whereas 
Lucas Black, the actor behind Sean, was pretty young when he was cast for that, and he's a lot older now than yeah. he was in two thousand two or what whatever two thousand eight. Yeah, something along those lines. It was, it was like two thousand six or seven for Tokyo Drift. So yeah, it's just it did not work. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, so I want to talk about Deckard quick because there's a big. I've been reading a bunch of stuff online about him and how people don't like at least at this point in the franchise that he got a redemption arc because he murdered Han. How do you feel about that? I agree, but yeah. I think the reason that I don't feel so weird about it is because just like this franchise is one to do, I don't think that that death is permanent. I mean, the trailers are out. It is confirmed not permanent. <laughs> so there we are. Well, you got to think, I still haven't watched a fast nine trailer. Oh, well, my bad. Then I spoiled it. It's fine. It doesn't matter because, again, this this series treats death so. This movie treats death like Kingdom Hearts does. And someone's going to think I'm crazy for that. This series does not give a damn about death. It doesn't mean anything. If they want you back, guess who didn't actually die? Yeah. Uh, Do you have any theories about how Han is going to come back? Now, do you mean how he's going to come back or, or necessarily like, like how they're going to they're going to explain why he didn't die when we clearly saw him on fire in the car? I don't have a good reason. I think yeah. what they're kind of doing is letting people because Tokyo Drift is so long ago. And since the majority of the fandom, for whatever reason, doesn't seem to think it's a good movie and avoid it like the plague. Um, Bad take bad take terrible take but (laughs) since that's what people do i think that the movie series is kind of i think that they did the same thing with in basically including the thing of shaw being the one who hit him they're just playing with it enough and trying to be like because if if i remember right in fast seven it doesn't show him being on fire does it you only see that in tokyo drift correct you do only see in tokyo drift i don't remember exactly in seven yeah, I think in seven, it's more of the implication of if you watch Tokyo Drift, you understand what's supposed to happen next. Uh, but I think so many people are so removed from Tokyo Drift that if you have it be where they basically like silently retcon it out, where they end up either showing or having him explain that he was able to get away um, from the fire and, and back out. But I also think that there is a theory that I hope is not true. Um, yeah. I, and his thing. This is completely without watching the trailer. So I don't know if he's back and helping the crew. I don't know if he's back and as an antagonist. I don't know. But I think one of the interesting things about this movie and the implanting the idea of Etienne in here is that you could technically, yeah, you could definitely pull a Brixton with, with Han if you wanted to. That would be definitely since we know that Brixton was involved with being killed by Shaw and Han was involved with being killed by Shaw. And both of these characters who should have died or pulled so that they can get, be given a second chance. Um, and who knows? I mean, it would be interesting to see, to see Han have a antagonistic viewpoint towards some guys. Like, you know, I, I don't see Han as the type of character who would think that his crew betrayed him and left him to die mm-hmm. and didn't do their job in protecting him. I don't see that. I don't think that that would be his motivation. Yeah. I was going to um, say, you'd have to, you know, to me, the only way to pull this off is if it's Han and if it's Han and looks only, you know, true. Or if it's Han and and what we're seeing here is that Etienne's ability to tap in to you is that they can implant memories. 
Yeah. And they can basically make Han uh, think that the time he had with this crew is different than what actually happened. Or um, they just, you know, show him a video of all his friends hanging out with Shaw at a barbecue. <laughs> true. But that also implies that Han was aware that, that, that Shaw killed him. And I don't think, at least as far as we see it in that, well, in that scene. I would imagine if you're, if you're like, hey, your friends are hanging out with the guy who killed you. Doesn't that piss you off? You know, he yeah, would fitness. figure it out. Which kind of goes back to the thing. I don't. I don't know. I think that the way that the series introduced Deckard Shaw in particular was so haphazard and kind of dumb that even if it feels wrong to have had him kill Han and then now get this redemption arc, I think the redemption arc makes him a more viable character if they're going to keep him around anyway. Yeah. To where it's like at this point, I'd rather just have him have that redemption arc and go on about his day and his business definitely since now we know han isn't killed it doesn't take away from the fact that he was clearly trying to kill han right but yeah i mean i think it's a better use it's definitely a lot easier to uh forgive an attempted murder (laughs) especially in that world (laughs) sure Uh, it's all of it's weird i don't know i mean I still feel like the biggest problem with Shaw is that he's clearly capable. And this movie even goes through, uh, you know, links for jokes and for a number of different reasons to want to show how capable Shaw is and how capable Hobbs is. But I think the weirdest thing that happens here is that the way that we're introduced to Shaw and seven is like, he can't be stopped. Yeah. And maybe what's happened with these last few movies is that they've shown that he's a little bit more fallible of a person um, to where seven, like his only flaw in seven is that he's too hot headed and that he's willing to kill all these people just because his brother's hurt. Yeah. Well, that's the weirdest part about his portrayal in this movie is he murders a hospital to sit and talk with his brother. But then we're supposed to look in this movie and be like, oh, he's not a bad guy. He was betrayed. I'm like, dude, I saw him do some heinous shit like yeah. two movies ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's a big thing. I think the series retcons far too often. It does. I mean, I think that they retcon Mia in a huge way. I think Mia's character in four is nothing like Mia prior. It doesn't even feel like Mia. Like she's so headstrong in the first couple of movies. And then I feel mm-hmm. like in four, she's just like, I'm a victim and you did bad things to me and I'm mad, yeah. but I'm sad. And it doesn't well, feel like her. And I mean, I, thankfully they were able to kind of fix that. I, I mean, but, I guess I would argue that she was headstrong and then she took a lot of things on. Um, and she just couldn't do it anymore, so she became a crybaby, you know? I mean, maybe, but then why does he immediately snap back? <laughs> I guess as soon as he has Brian back in her life. I, I was just making I know what you were doing. This okay. was a joke. I, I was like, I can't go. I don't I don't have anywhere else to go with this take. I was just... <laughs> you know, well, you're she, right. She, 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 she took and... on anyone. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, no, I, I think it's interesting. And what's more as I've, I've thought that for a while. And then earlier today, because I guess my phone is aware that I've been watching these movies to listen uh-huh. to me. Um, it's been giving me like fast and furious articles left and right, like in like suggested news. It's been awesome. And uh, it's, it's mainly pissing me off because some of them I'm, I've even read and then it keeps giving them to me like I didn't. And I'm like, you, you idiot. <coughs> I uh, saw one this. of the ones was uh, Jordana, uh, Jordana, whatever her name is, Brewster. Uh, saying that she didn't enjoy playing uh, Mia in four because she felt like it wasn't Mia. And yeah. I was like, ah, interesting. Cause I felt like that wasn't Mia either though. Her general use in the movie is pretty unimportant. <laughs> yeah, but, I agree. 
I think, you know, looking at this movie and how it uses its characters, I mean, there's a lot of things I have happened here. The biggest question I have is that we literally watched eight. We watched Hobbs turn down getting his job back. And at the beginning uh-huh. of this movie, he's like, I'm DSS. That was the biggest thing that was confusing to me. Um, why I thought we watched it out of order because I, I was like, he's not a agent anymore. Yeah. Why is he doing this? Not to mention, you know, I don't know if you noticed the very obvious daughter replacement in this movie. Oh, 100%. But yeah, I don't know that it didn't make sense where I'm like, he just gave this up for his daughter. And now there's not, you have so many conversations with his kid and there's never one where his kid's like, hey, didn't you quit for me? (laughs) Yeah, I thought you said you were done with this, which actually would have played into the family elements of this movie in a lot better way, I think. And then also kind of look at Hobbs as a flawed character, right? But in in a way that it's like you understand and he's still endearing, but you understand like he's, he's so obsessed with saving the world He's losing his daughter, kind of. That he, yeah, that he, it's how you play into the family dynamic. Like his, his daughter's his world, but it's also how he has to toe this line. Like that's kind of what they were trying to do with Brian. And of course, I don't think they actually got to do that the right way, sadly. But it was like, you know, you have to choose the world that you want to be in. Do you want to give all of this up and just be there for your kids, which has some pretty interesting ramifications for the fact that that same article said that Jordana Brewster is in nine and how do you have her in nine and not Brian? I have questions. I hope that they don't do what I think they're going to do, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, yeah, if you're going to do that, play Hobbs at, off as this character who you see him and he's got these great qualities and you like him, but at the same time you see how his obsession with his work is actually driving him further away from what he says to be his goals. Exactly. That would be interesting. They don't. They just don't even bother. Which but this listen, movie is fine. not even remotely concerned with actual character development. No, it's it or even interesting characters. It's entirely <laughs> concerned with being action, yeah. and then suddenly being like, "Oh yeah, I'm the Rock. I'm from Samoa. I'm probably a producer on this movie. I didn't pay he attention, was. and I want to make this movie have something to represent Samoa." And I think that's cool, and I think it can be done. But I think it feels so wrong with the rest of the movie. They try. They have those little moments where you, where both Hattie and um, Hobbs kind of one-on-one with their, their brothers and be like, hey, I was wrong. This is what I've not been doing. But I don't feel like the movie really earned that. And I don't really feel like they built that up in a way that made that feel like a payoff. Um, and just like, just like when you see his... Uh, his daughter run up to his mother whenever they go to Samoa and she's like crying in her grandmother's arm. Yeah. I, it's not that I can't see it happening, but you did nothing to build to that moment. So it felt like you, it wasn't a payoff or anything. It wasn't actually emotional because you're just showing someone cry. So you're doing the thing of where you're implying that something's supposed to be emotional and I'm supposed to fall in because I'm seeing someone cry. But I should be emotional because of what you've set up throughout the story for me. You should have showed me your daughter feeling left out, not having family, and you, the only family she has, being constantly gone with your obsession of saving the world. And then you get to see this big, giant family that she feels like she's been so left out of and apart from feels like it completes her in a way that her father can't on his own. Mm-hmm. Then you have an interesting character arc, but this movie is not even remotely concerned with that. No, I think the the funniest part is that the entire character arc is the two of them calling each other brother at the end. That's the whole ca- That's the whole arc of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fight them together, brother? Yeah, let's get the some bitch. All right, 
Um, I got to be honest, it's a spinoff movie. This might be a short episode because I have jack shit else to say about this movie. Is there anything else you want to hit on, Brett? There's Is something you- interesting that I saw. Okay. That I'm, I'm more curious, and it's one of those things where I'm, I'm kind of looking at... Um, Basically, film technique. And some of this is stuff that it's even catching my eye because whenever I was learning to shoot for a music video, I yeah. was trying to look into these things and take them into account. Don't get me wrong. It's my first time ever doing anything. It's not like I mastered it um, at any rate. So I'm not speaking from a... I hope that someone doesn't try and do that thing of like, oh, well, you go off and do something better. Nor am I even criticizing this movie for it. I actually thought this was kind of cool. Um, in the beginning of the movie, probably the first hour, almost every scene that Shaw is in is shot with cool tones and everything is in a very blue, you know, it's cool tones and he's wearing like grays and whatnot that pull the scene towards a very cool tone. And then every scene that Hobbs is in is warm. And you even see that in the beginning, they're doing that dual camera setup where you're seeing both of their lives and you see Hobbs in this artificially cool lit room and this, you know, see this, this uh, James Bond esque kind of like futuristic thing where he's doing his thing. And then you have Hobbs who's walking into a very sunlit room where the only light in the room is the sun, very yellow breaking through and glowing on his very tan skin and popping it. Whereas the lighting on Shaw almost makes him look even more white. (laughs) And I think that what they were trying to do, and it kind of worked even is it's trying to set the tone for their styles. And Hattie kind of mentions this later, right? Hobbs is hot headed. And as Shaw says, quick to smash through problems. And so that warm is being used for him. Whereas Shaw is very cool and calculated and able to blend in. And they're using those cool tones to kind of show the differences in their general state of being. Yeah, I can see that. That's interesting. I didn't pick that up, but I don't have an eye for that. And I was, I don't mean to keep harping on it, but I was so disconnected from this fucking movie that, none of that would have sunk in with me. Do you know the biggest thing for me that's surprising is that we weren't going to do this movie. Yeah. And, and we said it with every single movie until eight and Mm -hmm. eight made us both be like, man, maybe we need to watch this. And I thoroughly believe at this point, I can say we did not need to watch this movie. No, I don't see at least yet it's greater impact on anything to the, uh, the mainline series, unless Etienne comes through and is responsible for Robohan, um, which maybe we'll see. But it's yeah, I don't I don't feel like this movie is necessary. I don't feel like it's in line with the rest of the movies. It feels like you said, and I actually really like that. It feels like the uncanny valley of Fast and Furious movies, <laughs> where yes. they're they're trying but just not hitting it, and. I think some of that comes from trying too hard constantly, you know, it's mm-hmm. like the movie's constantly trying to assure you that this is a fast and furious movie and an action movie. And I don't think it works. I think if anything, this shows that when Vin Diesel leaves the series, <clears throat> I don't know that they can go on without him. Not in a way that feels like it's connected to the overall world. <sighs> I think if they had a better writer and a director. Oh, sure. This movie but been I don't fine. think they want to pivot at this point. Right. Yeah, I just I think because I think this um, could be a franchise on its own. I know there's a question from Rude Days who was our no, I'm sorry, 
Jehudi MD, who he asked, he's like, do you think this could evolve into its own series? Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham are getting up there age-wise, so I can't imagine they'll continue this in the near future. What actors do you think you could, who could replace them? And I would say, first off, that it's not going to take that long to make these movies. (laughs) They're not that old. And um, I, I think that they want this to become a series. Because they clearly set it up that way. Whether the ending is setting up Fast 10 or 11 or 30, or if it's setting up Hobbs and Shaw 2, we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's the weird thing is I honestly think if you're going to make a a spinoff movie that's like this, that's specifically like a, I I, I just don't know what to call it other than that. So I'm going to say a buddy cop movie. Yeah. Um, that's what it really is. It's about two people that annoy each other being forced yeah, like, to work together until eventually they come together. In terms of this one. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's definitely there. And I don't think that you can pull this off with any characters besides Hobbs and Shaw. I think, and, and uh, the real, the reality is, is like the only person you might've been able to pull in here would have been like Brian because of all of his years of CIA work, but that doesn't work anymore. No. And I, and even then Brian is not the kind of loud mouth, version of Hobbes, though I think that arguably they lean into these characters too much, and I, I think what this movie makes me realize is that both of these characters are good, but when you build an entire movie around just them, their limited character um, depth becomes far more obvious. And yeah. what you need is to parse them between other characters that have different dynamics. And that makes these characters work better. And like, like you said, the first hour, it's going great. But then that wears thin very quickly. It's like, okay, same song and dance. Because the only interaction that these two characters can have based on how you know interesting of characters you've built them to be from previous movies is just harping on each other. Right. Which is and funny. Clearly, the only thing that's going to ever end that, the only way you can resolve this movie is them coming together. But like mm-hmm. I said, with Fast 8, we've already seen that. Yeah, it doesn't need to be here like that, at least not set up that way. So I, I don't know. I think that writing, and I don't know who wrote the script here, who wrote the screenplay or whatever it's going to be. I I feel like having a writer and having them as producers insisting more on making their characters have legitimately interesting backstories that you lean into is important. And I go back to my note of what I find to be the most important thing here is that if this is to set the the tone on what future and and Vin Diesel has been talking about future spinoff movies, I don't think I'm going to watch any of the other spinoff movies I don't even know right now if I'd watch a Hobbs and Shaw two. I might just because of the fact that I sat through this one and the second one might be just as dumb to where I'm just having twilight fun watching it (laughs) and at least get to figure out if that, if all they're setting up Etienne for is for another Hobbs and Shaw movie, then at least I get to figure out who's behind Etienne. Yeah, that would be very disappointing. Um, So what do you think? Is that, is Etienne supposed to be building towards the bigger franchise? Yeah, I think I, I, I would have to think so because it would make sense. I, like I said, we said we haven't seen nine yet, but I would imagine Cypher makes it out of here. And then it's a very natural progression of Cypher and Etienne working together. And then they have to stop that. And that's the big bad of the franchise, you know? Yeah. Well, I ho- here- can I say one thing though? I hope this franchise ends with Vin Diesel or I'm sorry, with Dominic Toretto as president. <laughs> so Saints Row. Yes. But I don't think it would be if if you could, I'm pretty sure, especially like in today's world, if a guy like 
Dominic Toretto, who has saved the world multiple times around for president, he'd win. So I think that would be a hilarious ending. Is And kind of a commentary on modern society. Yeah, but imagine, imagine the ending of Fast and the Furious, where you get, even if you don't bring back Brian, you bring back a skyline like a, a crazy souped up skyline. All these guys are in their cars and it just ends of them driving down the road in a formation. You know, they're all joking. And then we come up and we realize that they're pulling into a back garage at the white house. <laughs> they just walk in. Vin Diesel sits down at the oval office. The family is his cabinet. And then they just go time for the next adventure politics and then we get <laughs> tom clancy's fast and the furious 10 red dawn <laughs> oh my god so it's funny while we're talking about where this series could go because yeah. um real quick before i go there i want to go back real quick to the side movie thing because of one thing in particular okay. i talked about how this the series is so obsessed with making sure that they constantly raise the stakes with every movie even if it's a side movie True. and my concern here is that vin diesel's talked about having uh, uh, he's talked about the possibility of a dominic toretto spinoff um, once the franchise ends. And one of the things he said he might like to do is do a spinoff where uh, they want to go back and actually look at their childhood. And I think the biggest problem is this movie shows me that the spinoffs, at least as they're going right now, and without a really severe person coming in as a producer and a writer and director, is going to fall into the same thing of how do you make a movie about the past and Little Dom and also try and make it have crazy world bending action when everything that we're led to believe about Tom's dad is that he was a racer and that they grew up and they were not necessarily a rich family, but they had a good dad who was there. Everything that we're seeing leads to it being a humdrum movie that is about the emotional impact of how Dom becomes the way he is, how Dom's father dies and how he deals with that and the grief that of that. But as this series has shown, grief is a laughably dealt with thing here. The way he dealt with Letty's death is is honestly ridiculous. <laughs> dealt with it by and, I, and they don't else. have the nuance to pull this off. And I think this shows that they don't even have the nuance to make a spinoff movie with clear, easy, readable things to do from their own script. Yeah. I think the only way they should do a spinoff movie is if they do... It's it's going to sound like a joke, but I really think this is the best way for them to do spinoffs is to make a multiverse movie and then just be like, hey, we're putting you in other franchises. Oh, you're in the Jurassic Park multiverse. Oh, you're in the Terminator multiverse. That that to me seems like the only way to do spinoff movies I care about because then you don't have to care about the characters. It's all the spectacle. Yeah, that's all these movies need. I, and it, I think that that's that's unfortunate. But yeah, if you're going to go that route, at least do that because it feels then it feels more deserved if the story is ridiculous or whatever. It's just I don't know. I feel like there's so many missed opportunities in this movie. I don't get it. I don't. And it's funny. I knew it was going to be two hours, 20 minutes. Literally. I, yeah. I, I, my, we were looking. I said, how long is this movie? Two hours, 17 minutes. She goes, what the hell? I said, that's what all of them have been since five. It's like, that's their magic number. They keep doing really well with it. And I don't know what it is, but this movie did not need to be that long. It dragged on. Yeah. And it made what could have been a cool Samoa part, really, that could have worked in. It made me kind of just go, oh, when it came on. Because I was like, You're, yeah, this that, means that there's at least, and I didn't look at the clock, but I was like, this means that there's at least 30 minutes left of this movie. Yeah. And it was if that Samoan's That Samoan part might be the best part of the movie if it happened an hour and a half earlier. <laughs> exactly. 
But by the time it happens, I was so over it that I fell asleep. As I well, and it was one more, like you said, it was one more. Like this feels like this could be its whole own movie. This, it, what a more interesting take would this have been if this was a trilogy or even just two <laughs> movies or whatever? I mean, like I said, I think there's a, a, clear, a clear thing where you can have Samoa be in this first movie and have it tie in the family and have it still come together where all this is needed. Bam! But I think it's way more interesting also if you than what we got. If you have it to where across these two or three movies, you have this Samoa thing going up and building up and then and then finally we get the payoff of them going to Samoa and not as the third big rise and fall of a movie that's already too long but instead the focus of this movie and let that be the you know the final thing with Brixton after all this back and forth and instead they just blew their load all with one movie yeah this is disappointing this is a disappointing so, movie um <laughs> Do you have anything else you want to say before I go off? Because this is probably going to be the final tangent, realistically. No, I'm I'm done talking about it. So you feel free to go. Um, so the primary thing that I I genuinely even mean this now because it would make more sense than where this movie kind of pushes me off. And I know this is kind of a side thing, but you were talking about Dom at the end of this whole series becoming president. My thing that I've said, and I know we've made little jokes about like it'd be interesting if it turns out that he was given to the government and tested on as a child and then he's a mutant or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I think where I'm at right now is that <laughs> as much as I don't want this because I, I don't like Disney becoming more and more monopolistic, but just have Disney basically buy up Universal Studios and then <laughs> have all of the Fast and Furious turn out to be that by the last movie aliens end up coming into play since we're already in space they end up contacting aliens and the final movie is about how vin diesel's dom ends up becoming groot and then later <laughs> that's how guardians of the galaxy works <laughs> i was gonna say because if you had done it if you had told me that marvel marvel and disney by universal for the fast and the furious franchise and the fast and the furious franchise is their way of introducing the x-men into the MCU, I, do, I would love that. It. Would have been incredible. So you, know, you, they you, have you, it. you can have that be it, and then still have it be where Dom eventually comes out to be Groot yeah. for whatever reason. His power overwhelms him, and he becomes a tree or some shit. Or no, this is what's going to be. He becomes a tree be- for the family. It's going to save the group, and he he's the sitting Groot. there. It, it, yeah, you, you <laughs> and that's that why. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> But I, I see it right now where it's like one of those moments of like Infinity War where it's like, listen, I know that we don't want me to go, but I got to go and I got to <laughs> sacrifice myself here. And that's why then it becomes a thing where like we're technically retconning whenever in Guardians of the Galaxy Groot ends up sacrificing himself. Yeah, it, it, it's it's Vin Diesel's Dom breaking through. You know, all he can say is I am Groot. But there's a seedling of who Dom was deep down inside. <laughs> it's a callback to when he became Groot to begin with. You like, superimpose Vin Diesel's face onto the little seed that they planted to get <laughs> him back. It's like, plant me so I can come back and see Letty. Letty. <laughs> I need to see Brian. Not my best <laughs> friend, but my kid. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, the thing <clears throat> is, is that this movie did not, this actually, you know what this movie is? Yes. What? This movie is what I feared Fast Five was going to be. Yeah. 
is what's crazy. This is what I thought Fast Five was going to be, and this is why I didn't want to watch Fast Five. It's more palatable when I've seen the series go kind of from five, which I don't think was over the top or ridiculous. I mean, it definitely changed the tone of the series, but in a way that felt believable and they've built up to this. But this movie just... This is what I pictured. This is basically the Expendables in Fast and Furious, and even worse. It's like the Expendables meets Marvel in Fast and Furious. And I don't, I don't, man, I don't get it. I, I, no. I genuinely don't get it. Do you think they had to pay for him to say he's Black Superman? <laughs> uh, I think Superman, as a word, is public domain. But because you know, it's funny that you say that because. Um, this isn't really nerdy, but they didn't capitalize Superman in the subtitles. in the in the subtitles, so they're not referring to Superman. He's a Superman, but you clearly I mean? they're referring to Superman. Yes, but when you look at it in the subtitles, that's how they get away with it. Where we're just talking about a I'm a black Superman instead of I'm the black Superman. You know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is like my last thing because I just thought it was one of those things where. You know how people are like, we're living in a simulation? Absolutely, we are. Just sure. like we had with me looking at this box that's still on my desk right now that says, Cuh. Yeah. Last night, as soon as I got done watching the movie, I opened Facebook because I had a notification. I clicked it, and then I hit home. The very first thing to pop up on my timeline is one of my childhood friends who's a black guy. He was flying, and he took a picture outside of the picture of the plane like where you could see the clouds. And he said, I'm really flying in this bitch. Ha ha. I'm a black, I'm black Superman. Really? And it was posted an hour ago and I went back and looked and it's, it's like two minutes separate when he posted that originally, at least as far as it said, one hour was like two minutes separate from a writer. I think it was two minutes after Idris Elba said it. That's while I was crazy. Watching the movie. And I was like, this is why fucking people think we live in a simulation. I mean, we do live in a simulation. It's facts. We, this movie do. proves that the life is a simulation because there's no <laughs> other reason you make this movie than some fucking agent Smith is like, we're going to put the rock and Statham and they're going to be together for two hours and people will watch it. You and know, my biggest like uh, upset about all this, the, the way this series as a whole is, has handled this and I've liked that it's done it, but every time it misses the point of being able to actually make a real point, it tries and it gets like, this is probably the closest they've really done, but um, it continues. It's like this movie continues what we saw in like seven and eight with technological overreach kind of yeah. being a theme of what's going on. And I, I think the only reason they really did that is how do you continue to raise the stakes unless you start having it be technologies involved and such so, so yeah. we're more than human. Um, but I still like that idea. But instead of this movie actually are these movies, this movie's closest acting as a real take and stance on technological overreach and the dangers that could come from it and like the importance of being human and whatnot this kind of gets it with like the you believe in machines we believe in people (laughs) (laughs) yeah his whole scene was very hokey um it was definitely when they've killed so so many many people you clearly don't believe in people but my last thing and then we can close out after watching the movie and him saying that I thought it was so ironic that I watched this movie on my cyberpunk themed Xbox one X. <laughs> that is pretty funny. I'll give you that one. <laughs> um, I do also want to say during that lock scene, did you notice the rock like trying very hard not to laugh and not doing a good job at it? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. 
cool. That was it. Um, I guess we'll read our last question from Big Homie Rude Days ninety three. Um, he was going to ask what other two characters from the same movie franchises that aren't the main protagonist do you think could make a successful movie like Hobbs and Shaw outside of the MCU? Hmm. Do you have any? Because so he's saying two characters from a movie franchise. Yeah. That can make a successful movie? Yeah, so like, I guess if you were to take, I'm trying to think of a movie, right? If you were to take Training Day, but make a movie about Snoop Dogg's character working with Dr. Dre's character, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Um, I think that there's a, a, a way, uh, but I don't know about successful. I think that that's the weird thing. If we're going to garner, uh, if we're going to consider rather success as like it, it does well, the majority of the fan base for whatever reason likes this movie <laughs> <laughs> and it sells well, which as far as I know, this movie sold bonkers um, or, you know, did bonkers in the box office. I don't know if that can necessarily be done. Um, I think that there's films where I would be interested in watching side characters do something. Um, dang, I had it in my head and I've already lost the one that I was thinking of. Um, <clears throat> oh, Chronicles of Riddick. I think that there'd be a really interesting movie that you could do with, um, I'm skipping on the name right now for some reason. He's, I've never uh, seen him, so I can't help you. Interestingly enough, it's um, oh John's John's character. Uh, I didn't even have to look it up. I love that. Every time I'm going to go type something in, uh, it's the same actor as Carter Verone, ironically. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, the guy who plays John's in uh, Chronicles of Well, yeah, Chronicles of Riddick and um, um, Pitch Black and whatnot is the same actor that plays Carter Verone, uh, which is just interesting that that happens. Like that connection when Vin Diesel had nothing to do with Too Fast, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I think John's is a really interesting character and there's a lot of interesting villains and whatnot that you could play off where it'd be kind of interesting to see even the same take of an idea where John's is basically forced to team up with one of whatever bad guy he wants to bring in uh, to end up either saving himself or saving someone. I think there's, there's <clears throat> ways, but I don't think that most of those movies would garner a big audience. Because yeah. I don't think people really care about movies from side characters like this unless you've built them up in a fast and sorry in a uh, in a Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of way. Which I mean, arguably, I was going to say the Fast and Furious kind of way, which is true. These movies have definitely been built up, even though they've been singular installments. The way they've introduced characters, it's almost like they just skipped the side movies to begin with and just went straight Avengers, 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 Avengers. Yeah. Um, well, and that's no. the hard thing is thinking of this question is like I, I couldn't think of side characters I care about enough that I'd want to see. Like you could sell me on like a the the podcaster from um, Godzilla versus Kong and Millie Bobby Brown's character. You could sell me on those two characters like doing some kind of movie, but at the same time, if I didn't see Godzilla or King Kong in that movie, I would be upset. So like you know, it's hard to do these without the main characters i think so too i mean i don't don't know it's it's weird i I, even this one right i think even this one suffered uh from not seeing the main characters but i don't actually think that was because 
the characters need to be there. I actually think it was because of the fact that the previous movies have ingrained it in all the viewers that if Hobbs found himself in this situation, he would immediately call his team. And eight even implies that what he's doing is basically becoming part of that team and leaving behind DSS because DSS comes with more actual strings. If he needs to step out, he can't. It's a real job. Whereas what all the crew are doing is just kind of living life and popping up and doing what they need to do when they need to do. Um, You know, I think that that way he can kind of have his cake and eat it too. He can Mm -hmm. sometimes give into his addiction of wanting to save the world if they would actually play up on that while also having more time to be there for his family uh, on a day-to-day basis, instead of constantly being pulled away from soccer games and lunch with his daughter. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's the, the problem that this movie faced is that it, it's not even Shaw. It's specific. I think if this movie was just Shaw, like I, <laughs> I don't, don't know what you'd do there, but if we just called this, even if it was the Shaw brothers, right, this movie yeah. was nothing but Owen and Deckard Shaw. And their sister. I think that it works without Dom because you can write a story that still clearly takes place in this world. And we've gotten to see that they've kind of switched over to being relatable characters and we can see what they do to save the world. I think specifically bringing Hobbs in ruins it because Hobbs has set the expectation of who he's going to call. Yeah. So I don't know. I like the question rude days. I just, I don't know how to answer it uh, because you know what? Here's my answer. Anybody cares. My answer is in this franchise and it's a Mr. Nobody movie. I give no shits. If you gave me a Mr. Nobody, give me a Mr. Nobody and lock or give me a lock and low movie. Both of those I would rather watch than this one. Lock and low would be interesting. That would be hilarious because that would be it an would almost actual be interesting funny movie. From like the straight man kind of thing too, where I feel like Loeb would be would get to be kind of the straight man, while Locke would be the crazy one. Oh, definitely. But that's the yeah, thing I, is, I think Reynolds, that's a real use there. Reynolds and Delaney are hilarious. So like that would just be a good. I would want to see that for the comedy, you know. Mm-hmm. I think, Which is weird. I feel like this movie makes you think it's going to be a comedy before it just yeah. becomes Boring. comedy, but between a bunch of melodrama. Right, exactly. That's all this movie is, is melodrama. And I'm tired of it. I don't want to hear about it. It's whiny. This movie sucks. <laughs> uh, Brett, rate and review. What you got? Or ranking and review. What you got? Oh, I'm torn, Chris. Because... As far as the twilight of it all goes, I almost want to give this movie like a, a four and a half, maybe even a five. I, was, I would respect it. But in, in context to everything else, I think this movie misses at basically everything it could it could try and do once it goes beyond what I think the runtime should have been which is an hour 40. I don't think they had enough characters and enough interesting people to try and work around within the time limit they were trying to hit. So I'm going to give it a two. I didn't hate it. Wow. But I didn't love it. Okay. That's as a act- bad movie like The Room, it's a it's a four and a half. I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and lock in on there. As a bad movie that you just put on to watch and laugh. If I'd never seen a Fast and Furious Day in my life and put this on and this was the only exposure I'd had to it, this would be basically the perfect terrible movie. See, this is reading to me like you you want to give it a three, personally really it's interesting it's like you because, were saying whenever you were well, doing six yeah well that's the thing is like <laughs> or seven rather i i i gave it a two and a half so you ranking it above me when i clearly at least in the tenor of the conversation i didn't like it nearly as much as you it almost surprises me but yeah but i only liked it as a joke 
like and not a joke yeah. in the way that the writers intended I liked it as a joke of it, it. It literally the every scene that I thought was just stupid made me think of how much like and it, it, even the laughs were similar of how much I laughed like when Bella hops on Edward's back and they like '90s motion blur through the forest. Yeah, it, it, it's exactly what it felt like to me. It was all so stupid. I mean, so I went with my. I went with my Twilight rating for Twilight, but if if two if two is what you want to go with, that's fine. Like I said, I'm just surprised because I feel like you liked it more than me, even without that. So I'm just surprised I ended up higher than you. Interesting. I don't I don't think I like the movie as what it actually is because all of every complaint I really have is about how the movie doesn't deliver on any of the promises that the script clearly has buried in there. If they would have actually tried carving that out and doing something with that instead of just overly relying on Hobbs, Shaw, Hattie, Brixton, Hobbs, Shaw, Hattie, Brixton, and how many times you can spin that around. Um, So, I mean, you know, hit me with your ranking brother. Uh, this movie's in, uh, this movie's in dead last. Uh, Wow. Yeah. This movie is in dead last as an actual, I care about anything that's going on here, uh, and how it plays into the bigger thing. And again, I have to assert, how dare anyone, and I mean anyone, tell me that Tokyo Drift is a bad movie when this movie exists? <laughs> yeah. Um, just give me your numbers quick. Give me a All total right, ranking. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, hmm. I'm going to say, I think I'm going to stick with my. Okay, I'm gonna go five, eight, three, one, seven, two, six, four. Hobbs and Shaw, and I I think that's my exact one from last week, just with Hobbs and Shaw at the end. Yeah, I think so. Mine yeah. is the same. Um, five, eight, three, seven, one, two, six. Hobbs and Shaw, fast and four. <laughs> interesting so you you dislike four that much four is the worst movie i've ever seen i still think four is bad i just i think that four at least feels more in line with what's going on in all of it these does than this but it's shit. four absolutely feels more in line with fast and the furious as a franchise but again this four, more fun to watch well i is. say that you didn't fall did you fall asleep in, in four no but i fell asleep i you know are you uh, now you're making me reconsider, but I hate Fast Four. I, know I do, and I don't think it's I don't think it's good. But I, I think there's a, there's an argument to where I don't think it was a great movie, but I didn't I wasn't laughing the entire movie, nor did I fall asleep. So I think that means it has to fall in, in the in between. Uh, you know, for if I was looking at it, and it sounds like from what you're saying, it's the same thing. I know that Four is a very drab movie, but I. I think that this movie's worse if you fell asleep more than once. I see your argument, but I don't think this is a Hey, stick to I, your guns, man. I would never I okay, I think <laughs> here, here's how much I hate for. I would watch this entire franchise with like a significant other and I would include 4, but if we ended the the watch and she said she liked 4, I would break up with her. <laughs> And I don't have that opinion about Hobbs and Shaw because Hobbs and Shaw, I can see why people would like it because the movie is entirely action. 
and like yeah. the bits of comedy. So you can kind of see why there are pockets of this movie people like. There is nothing redeemable about four. Besides the fact that without four or five can't happen. That doesn't redeem it. I would have rather skipped four and been confused but accepting <laughs> than watch four. Yeah. Dude, five is so good. It is. It's awesome. Like I, it's the more we watch of this franchise, the more I'm kind of like, I, and eight surprised me that it was able to come back because after five, every other one has been below one and three. Uh, and I thought that was so interesting. So when eight came in and it's like right there behind five and I still feel that way. Um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's interesting to me. I kind of want to go back and watch five just cause it's so fun. <laughs> I, 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 I am fairly positive that even after seeing nine, I'm going to walk away from this feeling like five exudes the epitome of what this franchise probably should have been. <clears throat> yeah. Even, even if eight's fun, I think five is the perfect balance between grounded just enough, but, but also fun just enough to where you don't have those moments where you're like, <laughs> okay, what the fuck? Yeah, I can see that. Um, yeah. So I don't have, anything else um next week we will be watching fast nine and i think it comes out we, tomorrow does it yeah it does come out tomorrow break so that's kind of why I, to it here. yeah i'm kind of that's why i kind of part of jesus I, I always do that i lose my speech but um that's part of why i wanted to put hobbs and sean here so we just had that extra time um yeah. but then i think after that one me and you will have to talk after this but uh i think we'll be at least trying to announce what direction the show is going to take with just the two of us. So look forward to that. Yeah. This has been your first stint of that. Yes. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes on. I'm sure for uh, clearly, if you've listened this far in the episode, I don't think that you would be upset that we're doing a nonstop run of fast and furious movies. I hope uh, not. If, if but, anyone, you know, isn't happy with that, let me know. But I, I mean, do it think, doesn't matter at this point. We're going to be done with this and then we'll go on to something else. Well, yeah, but if people are like, I liked it, then maybe my argument that the MCU is something we should do makes more sense. You know what I mean? Maybe, but I think there's a big difference between asking me to watch 10 movies, considering Hobbs and Shaw makes 10, versus watching 40 something movies and shows all together. 23 movies. And I don't know. I don't think. You're going to watch one movie a week, regardless of what we pick. So, <laughs> 23 weeks is rough. <laughs> I mean, Blake did it in three days. So, oh, yeah, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> I mean, I could. <laughs> I have, <laughs> I sadly have other in, in engagements and responsibilities. All right, whatever. You, you've had a successful life, and I'm lonely. We established that last week when you made fun of me for sitting in my house by myself. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I love you, buddy. Thank you for listening. Brett will run you through how you can pay us and follow us and <laughs> do the fun stuff. Talk to you next uh, week. Hobbs and Shaw sucks. Goodbye. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, this has been this week's uh, midweek matinee. If you want to yell at us for saying that Hobbs and Shaw uh, is worse than Tokyo Drift, then please head over to our Twitter at matinee underscore midweek and hit us up. Let us know what you think there. You can hop into the Discord, which is linked in the description of the podcast below. Click through on whatever podcast service you're, li- you're listening on and uh, join in there. There's a podcast open discussion where you can ask questions for Fast 9. You can make statements about Fast 9. You can yell at us about our opinions on all of the ones coming up. Uh, or share your opinions and how they either align with ours or deviate from ours uh, on there. 
If you want to hit up Chris by himself, you can go to at F-I-G-Z-2-1-K on Twitter and hit him up. You can find me on our weekly PlayStation podcast, Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast, which recently Chris has been joining me on to fill in for Saul while he is out sick. And that is fantastic. And people seem to be loving it. So thank you, Chris. And lastly... If you want to support the show with more than just your time, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month to get early access to this show, as well as other goodies, as well as lastly, shout outs on the content. So without further ado, I would like to give a big shout out to our patrons, Kyle Grimm, Josh Terrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos. Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Mark Schutz, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figgs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Josh Drago, Bailey Robertson, Brian, Donovan Williams, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Jehudi MD, Rob Warpoint, Richard Schaefer, and Hammonegger. Thank you all so much. Woo! I hate you. <laughs> hey, I was advertising what's on our Patreon the whole time. <laughs>